A very newsworthy episode of AEW Dynamite closes with Sammy Guevara being the new TNT champion, giving Merrill his first singles loss in AEW. We talk about it next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, Sammy Guevara closes out the show. Was he the right choice to beat Merrill and become the new TNT champion? Uh, I'm not going to say he wasn't the right choice because I certainly think he's worthy of being a TNT champion. I just question the way that they got to that point and the fact that it kind of came from out of nowhere. Because when you think about that, the, this, the whole dynamic between this match really happened with Sammy st- sticking up for his friend who had lost his car to Mero in this mm-hmm. uh, quasi type bet that he put, he put when he put his car on the line here. Yeah. Uh, we got a, maybe a week, two weeks at most, I think, to build towards this this point and you know Miro lost the title I I think that there's a lot more that they could have done with Miro I think that him being undefeated and kind of pushing him as God's champion the redeemer all these types of things I think it was really clicking I think Miro was starting to perform at the level that I think a lot of us thought he could perform at in WWE and it just kind of got derailed for really in my opinion no reason you know Sammy is great. I think Sammy's got a really bright future. He's also very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they could have gotten to that point further down the road. And, you know, it came from out of nowhere. It was a very good match. Um, but I, I think that they could have kept the belt on Miro a little bit longer. See, I, I agree with you. They could have kept the belt on Miro longer. And it was a surprise. So that gave, it gives it a good moment. And having it be, you know, In Rochester, New York, which is the hometown of Brody Lee, who is synonymous with the TNT Championship, or at least that's how they're telling it on television. You knew a title change was probably going to happen, especially when Sammy kicks out of that super kick. I knew right there Sammy was winning. Now, do I think it derails Mero? No. I think this is similar to... You know, when people said, oh, Kofi Kingston was derailed or buried once he lost to Brock Lesnar, I said, let it develop, and then it didn't develop. That's what buried Kofi Kingston, the fact that he never chased for the championship until two years later. Let's see what happens with Mero afterwards. And I think this is, he's dropping the title to eventually lead to a world championship run, whether that is against Omega whether they're going to rebuild him for when Hangman takes the title off of Omega and that's Merrill's first challenger, or excuse me, when that's Hangman's first challenger. There's a lot they could do here. I don't think this is the end of the Redeemer. I don't think this is the end of God's favorite champion. I still think there's a lot to play here, and I'm going to let it play out. Yeah, and I, I'm certainly not trying to suggest that he's buried or this is the end of the road for Miro. I mean, they can easily rebuild him back up much like they used to build Brock Lesnar back up, you know, Brock used to lose or he would, uh, you know, drop the title or something. Then he'd come out and just kick the crap out of like five guys. They mm-hmm. could do that next week with Miro by, by all means. Right. I'm not saying that he's, he's uh, dead to rights here. I'm just saying that I think as far as his title run is concerned, I think that that could have been stretched a little bit longer, been made to feel a little bit more special because especially when you try to, uh, persuade the fans that you are God's champion, a champion of God, and he's doing all these great promos and stuff like that. You know, losing in the way that he lost, it hurts him a little bit. He'll be back on his feet, I'm sure, in no time. But you know, it is what it is. So we got to make the they got to make the best of it. We'll see what happens with both of them. It's not exactly John Cena beating him for the U.S. title at WrestleMania 31. 
But like I said, let it play out. Let's see how it goes. I think Sammy is a great choice uh, to be the new TNT champion, considering they really built up the four pillars of AEW, and he is obviously one of them. A lot of, lot of stock in Sammy Guevara ever since the beginning. He was the first singles match uh, at Double or Nothing 2019. He was the first match ever on AEW Dynamite with Cody. So Tony Khan has a lot of faith in Sammy Guevara. So I think it's the right choice that he is the new TNT champion. And he did so in a great way, beating a guy who seemed unstoppable, a guy that has beaten the likes of Lance Archer during this title run, the likes of Eddie Kingston during this title run. So he he had some very solid wins as the TNT champion and probably had the best TNT championship reign since its inception. You could say Darby, but I think Merrill had a better run with it. I, I will say this. Uh, last night was, in my opinion, Miro's best match in AEW, at least off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Probably the best match that I've seen from him in a, in a, in a very long time. I thought, yeah. I thought the match between them was really good. Right. And then, of course, next week, Sammy Guevara is already out there defending the title. He's got a match with Bobby Fish. Yeah. What do you think of this as his first defense? That forbidden door open now to MLW as he's yeah. now part of MLW now. See, now this, this is going to be interesting. Not, and, and I don't, I'm not going to tune in so much. I mean, yes, of course, I want to see him and, and Sammy go at it. And, and that's a match that's intriguing. But I want to see if they try to play off the fact that you have Adam Cole and Bobby Fish on the same card. Like, it's possible. They're going to be on the same show. Um, granted, everything that they did together was in NXT as far as like the Undisputed Era and stuff like that. But brief little face-off just to give like a little tongue-in-cheek thing to the fans. I think that'll be really cool. I mean, it's not the first time AEW has referenced WWE in their storylines, as we're going to talk about a little bit later on this show. But let's talk about Adam Cole. And the beginning of this show, Adam Cole and Jungle Boy have a very good opening match. And Adam Cole wins with a low blow beating Jungle Boy, but I want to talk about the promo after the match. So the Elite come out, they are bragging, and they're talking about how great they are. Kenny Omega cuts a fairly decent promo about his match last week that ended in the time limit draw, and he says there's no rematch. Like we said, it's Apollo Creed against Rocky here. No no rematch. And as soon as he says that, here comes Brian Danielson, and he cuts a very good promo that gives Kenny Omega a new nickname. Kenny No Balls Omega. And the crowd loves it. Kenny No Balls. No Balls. No Balls chants go out. I I loved it. I gotta say, although the match was really good last week, Daniel Bryan's promos have been really good since he started in AEW. Well, you just called him Daniel Bryan again. It's gonna happen because it's it's so easy to F this up. It's Just refer Bri- I know to him as Brian, the American Dragon. The American, much easier. American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Brian yeah. Danielson has cut very good promos since he's come to AEW. There, I got it right this time. Yeah, he did. He did cut a very good promo. He, he they kind of built a little bit of intrigue there because he did kind of re- well. Kenny Omega at least referenced. You know, he said, you know, that's not part of the deal. Uh, before rushing out of the ring there. Um, I thought that the back and forth between both of them were good. I think that the promo skill set still tends to be, you know, Kenny's shortcomings, if you will. Um, you know, it wasn't bad, but, you know, certain things he said were kind of like, uh, like, I think he said something like, oh, you kicked me in my belly. It's like, hey, dude, like, you kicked me in my belly. You're like a grown man. Like, what are you talking about? 
Um, kick me in the gut, kick me in the stomach, kick, me in the gut, kick the crap out of me, uh, whatever. Just, I don't know, just something that stood out to me. Uh, Gallows and Anderson do absolutely nothing for me. I, I, I don't know if I'm the only one on this boat, but they don't seem like they fit in in that group. I have not been a big fan of theirs in a really long time. I don't think they should be a part of it. They just, they kind of seem like two guys that just kind of tag along to, you know, to get a little bit of shine from the group that is actually, you know, doing big things on the show. Well, see, here's here's the thing with all factions, there is a heater and a fall guy. And that's what the, what gals and Anderson play. They're the heater and they're the fall guys. So whenever there's these big matches with the elite and they're going to take a loss, it's Giles and Anderson that are taking the pin most likely. They're not going to have the Young Bucks take a pin or Kenny Omega take a pin in that situation. The fall guy is actually Frankie Kazarian because as much as they want to try and promote him as the elite killer, he is one and two against the elite with his only win coming in singles competition against Brandon Cutler. But They continue to parade him out like he is this guy that's going to make a big difference in this whole feud. And you know, it is what it is. Um, I, that was the one thing, the one gripe I had, like him, when Brian Danielson called out the guys from the back, you had Frankie Kazarian, who continues to get the crap kicked out of him by the elite, and Marco Stunt continuing to act like he's a badass and going to beat anybody up. He could Probably definitely beat up Brandon Cutler. Cutler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him or Nakazawa, sure, that's fine. But, you know, I. other than that, this was a solid segment. It, it was, and I... I wouldn't go in depth about Marco Stump being involved with this and nitpick it. You know, you got to get the even playing field. Although Kazarian has, has had his shortcomings against the elite in singles matches. He's still a fairly good wrestler. Christian cage actually beat Kenny Omega earlier this year. Jungle boy and Luchasaurus are still a good tag team in AEW. So it levels the playing field. I'm not going to be like, look, he's one and two against the elite. Marco stunt is five foot. Nothing. If that, you know, that didn't bother me. It's just you don't ha- you don't have to do that. I'm going to because if your nickname is the elite killer, but you get the crap kicked out of you every time you approach them, you're not the elite killer. Right. But I'm but. saying for this segment, this segment, I'm not saying about the nickname, but let's move on to Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson win their match uh, against Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. And Dante Martin shines again in this match. But I want to talk about, after the match, another promo segment that got people talking here. So, Cody Rhodes calls out Malachi Black. Rochester's waited over a year for this show. But where's Malachi Black? Before the sentence is even done, Arn Anderson cuts him off and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You, this whole thing with Malachi, he's a predator, he's a killer, you know, he got through me to get to you, but this is your fight now. And he's going through this whole thing. But the line that everybody's talking about is, you know, Cody, what separates me and you is if someone came to carjack you, you give him the keys and say, have at it. But if it were me, I'd pull the clock out and blow his brains out. Paraphrasing yeah. here, but very interesting analogy to use, but effective. He walks out with Lee Johnson and Cody Rhodes is there. Embarrassed with his tail between his legs, close up of him. Do you think this is a heel turn tease, or do you think this is his comeback story to eventually beat Malachi Black down the line? No, I, I think this is going to end up being Cody's uh, eventual heel turn, and I think that because of a couple of things. One, I think that 
because fans are obviously starting to become more vocal now that fans are back, especially larger crowds. The more and more exposure Cody gets in front of fans, they're going to continue to boo him. They've yeah. been booing him for a couple of weeks now. It's pretty evident. Just turn him heel. He's going to be good as a heel. He can be pompous and arrogant and all those types of things. Brag about how he's an EVP and all that type of stuff. And he'll be great at it. Yeah. Um, I think that this segment was really good. I think it would have been more effective if like Lee Johnson or Arn Anderson or Brandy was on ringside last night. Had she like gotten hurt and had Cody gone outside to check on them and it cost them the match probably would have been more effective because that's right. the card that they're trying to play. So the match itself was good. Um, I, I thought that they, the, uh, that Cody and Lee Johnson should have lost and that could have played into the, the, the promo, but you know, overall, you know, what are people talking about? They're talking about the promo. Yeah, they definitely are. And did you see the shirt that Arn Anderson now has up on sale? Uh, I did not. It, it's basically, it's Arn, A-R-N, but the R is a Glock. And then underneath, it says something like, leaving brains on the ground since 1982 or something like that. I forget the exact subline, but just playing around with that. And everybody on social media is using some kind of pun or you know, stuff like that. And like worried about Lee Johnson, if he's going to be alive after last night because of how hard it is. I wonder what Sid would have to say about all of this. I don't know. He'd probably go play softball or something, but maybe. all right, let's uh, talk about the dark order. Seeing that this is a show for Brody Lee and they did have two dark order matches. The first one was an, was it 18 man tag, 16 man tag, 16, 16 man tag. It's the Hardy uh, family office against the Dark Order. Um, I think the thing everybody's talking about with this segment is uh, Evil Uno is trying to walk out, but out comes negative one, Brody Lee's wife, Amanda Huber, Anna Jay, and Ty Conti. Negative one throws the papers at Evil Uno, and I laugh my ass off at that. The papers are still funny a year and a half later. Uh, And then Amanda Huber has that, like, Angry mom look like, uh-uh, not tonight. Get your ass back in that ring, make amends, and kick some ass. And because of that, the Dark Order have a comeback. Aubrey Edwards can't figure out what the hell's going on. Chaos of brewing, but it doesn't matter. Dark Order get the win. And then later on, in women's tag action, Anna Jay and Ty Conti take care of Penelope Ford and the Bunny. Let's hope this Dark Order and uh, Hardy family office stuff is over we get to the hair versus hair match with Jack Evans and Orange Cassidy, and that's over. And just get back to, you know, using these guys effectively. But I thought this was really great. And actually, everybody talks about uh, Brody Lee and who's going to be the replacement for leading the Dark Order. They'll use Malachi Black, Bray Wyatt. If she's up to it, I think Amanda Huber could actually play the role pretty well with that, that look. Yeah, you never know. And as, as much as sometimes people like to hate on, at least, you know, myself, these these eight-man, nine-man, however many-man tags, is sometimes they get too chaotic. This is one of those things that you just have to come to appreciate, especially given the circumstances. So right. having uh, Amanda Huber come out, having Negative One come out, and letting them have their moment, especially seeing the Dark Order where they've had uh, disagreements pretty much throughout the past couple months, up to this point where they were able to all get back on the same page, have their moment in front of, um, you know, his home hometown there. Mm-hmm. That's a special moment. So, you know, no matter what you think of these types of tag matches or the dork, the, the dark order, <laughs> not the dork order. Okay. No Jim Cornette. What you, yeah. Whatever you think of the dark order, 
uh, this made for a cool moment. Yes, it, it really did. And uh, even the after the match with the women's tag, you have negative one coming out, hugging Ty Conti and Anna Jay. They're in tears, um, especially Ty Conti. She was really emotional last mm-hmm. night. So, and obviously, given uh, the the tribute to Brody Lee, as I, I still can't believe that he's gone at such a young age and so abruptly that it happened and crazy, crazy, crazy. But Ralph, let's. Kind of get on some positive news here. There was a big debut on AEW Dynamite last night. Do you know what I'm talking about with that debut? Uh, if I were to guess, I'm going to guess that you're talking about Ethan Page's uh, Capris. No, I, not the Capris. Actually, I thought you were going to go with Leo Rush there. But actually, it's related to Ethan Page. The What Chants are now all elite uh-huh. during a promo segment with Dan Lambert, Scorpio Sky, and Ethan Page. Dan Lambert is, you know, doing his typical... You know, snowflakes and safe space and anti-AEW fans promo. That gets some what chance. Scorpio Sky talks about how he got the big Sonic ring and he gets what chance. But Ethan Page, he started talking. They started giving him what chance, but he talks right through them. Didn't give a, a second to pause to let them do that what chant. And he had probably the... Most random but yet funniest line I've ever heard in a promo, Ralph. He's got the tightest tits in wrestling. (laughs) I got to say, like, they don't give this guy enough mic time because he's got a damn good promo. Yeah, and for somebody who really, you know, he he had his thing against Darby. He went away for a bit, and now he's been kind of thrown in this whole thing with American Top Team and Jericho and whatever else they're going to do. But, um. Yeah, last night was a really, really big moment for him because he really stood out for the right reasons. His promo's been good. Um, he's putting in, a, obviously, a lot of time to get himself back in back in shape or in really good shape because if you look mm-hmm. at some of his stuff from the indie scene, obviously, he wasn't in that good of shape. I'm only saying that because he himself acknowledged it. So right. to see himself put in this much effort to get to this point and to see that he's taking his career um, as serious as he really should be now that he's in AEW, that's encouraging to see. Um, I cannot wait to see what happens with this tag team. I think that they're going to be really good together. And it's crazy to think that uh, somebody like Scorpio Sky, you know, some of his bigger moments, his match against Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. um, him being one of the, I think he was the first tag team champion. Correct? Yes, he was. So, um, yeah, I, it's cool to see what's going to happen with these guys. Dan Lambert, for somebody who was never involved in pro wrestling, at least not at a level like this. He cuts really good promos that are really mm-hmm. realistic. And it's just like, you don't know whether to be like, yeah, this guy is great. Or it's like, this guy's just an asshole, but right. um, he's effective either way. Yeah. I mean, I know there's been the comparison this week with Dan Lambert and Joe Gacy, because Joe Gacy's kind of doing the same character, except not as vulgar or blunt. It's more in like too like written childish in a way. And a lot of people don't like Joe Gacy. And there's even some people that don't like Dan Lambert. But I think most people appreciate his promo work. I just don't think they like the whole American top team involvement with AEW. And honestly, after last night, as good as Dan Lambert is, does he really need to be there with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky? They can carry themselves over on promos. Yeah, they were they were really good last night. Um, and like I said, I, I don't really know what they're going to do with them beyond Jericho and, and Hager. But um, if they do end up actually being a tag team that's going to contend for the titles, I'm interested to see what happens. Totally agree. Now, 
You talk about guys cutting promos and whether or not it's just part of the show or they're assholes. Oh, MJF. MJF. Talks about the future of AEW, the four pillars. He's one of them. Sammy Guevara, he beat. Jungle Boy, he beat. Quickly goes over Darby Allen, And then he talks about himself. All the accolades he's had. He wants another shot at the world championship. He doesn't get it. Bruce Pritchard's on speed dial. Yeah, A lot of people have talked about if anyone's going to jump ship from AEW to WWE, he's one of the first names that people bring up as a possibility. So obviously playing along with that, Darby Allen comes out. <laughs> and you thought what he said with, with Methany was bad. Holy crap. What he said about Darby Allen is holy crap worse. Mm-hmm. Why is Darby Allen straight edge? Why does he paint himself half painted? Because his uncle died in a, a drunk driving accident that Darby was in the car in. And by God, the wrong man died. Yeah. Darby was like five when that happened. The wrong man died. Like, I think even like the most appreciative heel fans is like, whoa, whoa, that that's that's too much, MJF. Holy crap, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, first of all, anybody who's nervous about him jumping ship to WWE, WWE is a PG product, and there's no way, there's no way the MJF that we see in AEW would ever fly in WWE. Not with that kind of promo. Maybe, maybe, maybe on SmackDown, certainly not on Raw, you know, but, um, all that aside, I mean, yeah, I I think it's obviously kind of well documented that this is why Darby is straight edge in the way that he is, because I think going back to the original promo, that he cut back. I think it was like fighter fest. They did a special video package on him and he explained yeah. the whole story. Um, I'm not going to say it went too far. I think that obviously they had to have, they had to both agree that they were going to talk about this. This just made me excited for this feud. Um, yeah. This is, this is going to be great. I mean, this is one of those things where there's no title on the line. I think it's going to be a real good psychological back and forth because really what he's going to try to do is break uh, Darby mentally. That's pretty much what he said. So right. if he's willing to say that, like, what is he going to be willing to do in the next coming weeks until they actually have their match? So um, I'm on board with this. Right. Like, I don't, I, I'm sure MJF could dig up whatever he can, but does he bring up the fact that he and Priscilla Kelly, now known as Gigi Dolan, divorced and bring that up into trying to break him mentally? You know, all the stupid stunts. Like, where is MJF going to go to try to break him down? and? Kudos to to Darby, you know. I think a lot of people would say MJF is the best promo in AEW. And while he didn't do much, but what he said was effective. And it progressed a story, like, instantly. I thought it was amazing. Really well done. And Darby looked, came out of that like a million bucks. No sting. Didn't stumble over his words. Said it with confidence. Props to Darby, and he silenced MJF, which is almost impossible to do. Yep. Yeah, and, and we're really going to see. I mean, I, I even the like the Bruce Pritchard thing, which, you know, it's like a, a I guess if you want to call it like a, not really like a worked shoot, but, you know, I, I highly doubt that MJF has any intention to go to WWE anytime soon. You never um, know. But His contract's le- going to be up in three to five years, so it's entirely possible and. Five years. Who knows? It it has people talking, which is important. 
Right, exactly. And I, I got to say, one of the one of the better lines by CM Punk last night. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got Bruce Pritchard on speed dial. That's nothing. And I got to say, CM Punk was easily the best commentator last night. Just his analysis during the matches, why they're doing this, why they're doing that, why he's not in the ring wrestling, explaining stuff like that, putting guys over. Can can we get rid of Excalibur and make CM Punk full-time? No, I, I thought CM Punk was really good. I thought he was, uh, like you said, just like the minor things that he was pointing out throughout the matches, especially in the match with uh, Darby, and, uh, not Darby, with uh, Sammy and, and um, Miro. That, that he, he did really good last night, I thought. Yeah, he really did. And some of his lines were really good. Coming out to the elite, <laughs> the elite music, and it's like we went from the number one metal song on iTunes to whatever the hell this crap is. <laughs> Stuff like that, like. That's just, as Vince McMahon would say, that's good shit. And well, that he, he was calling out the goofiness within the group, too. Yes. And obviously has to be because that's part of the story. Like these guys call themselves the best, but yet they look like morons. Yep. But that's part of the story. That's part of the character. And I just, as I mentioned in the beginning, this was a newsworthy episode. Got a lot of people talking, whether it was Arn, whether it was MJF, whether it was Sammy winning the title, you know, Kenny Noballs. This was a very good episode of AEW Dynamite last night. Yeah, so let us know what you guys thought of AEW Dynamite this week in the comments below. Don't forget to share us over social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCTV Podcast. Subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. We'll see you on the next episode of Straight Social Cycle Babble.